The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Book of John, chapter 14. As we remain standing for the reading of the word, if you're able to. John chapter 14, find verse 28. Oh, let's go from verse 25 instead. Are you ready? John 14, verse 25, we do have notes for you. These things I have spoken to you while I'm present with you, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, and my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Verse 30, the NIV says, he has no hold on me. The ruler of this world is coming and he has no hold on me. Fascinating. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. We give you praise ahead of time. Touch us, change us, I pray, through the preaching and the teaching of your word. In the matchless, marvelous, glorious, awesome name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I've entitled this message, Can't Touch This. (laughs) You have no hold on me, the NIV says. The New King James says that the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. And I decided to make it, you can't touch this. So... Um, in your notes it says what is real some think what is real is that what you can taste and see and I would say that those things are real certainly but there's another realm there's another reality there's 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 another place heaven is real God is real there's a very real heaven to gain and a very real hell to shun The view of monism is the belief that the whole world is unified in God. Monism is the whole world is unified in God and that God is everywhere and he's everything and everyone's inside of him and it's all, the whole thing, God is just, that that is not a biblical worldview. That's not a biblical view of reality. And our world, our, our nation specifically, is engulfed in monism, new age, Buddhism, that everything's a part of God. That's not, that is not a biblical understanding You won't find that in Scripture. So in that understanding, 
what's needed is that you just attain a higher sense of awareness or enlightenment. It's a bunch of bunk. Everybody say it's a bunch of bunk. The biblical view of reality is this, that we're created in the image of God, and because of sin, we're separated from God. But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish. That means there is a thing called perishing, would have everlasting life. Jesus came fully God, fully man, divested himself of, stepped out of, uh, of, uh, of eternity into time and space, put on robes of flesh, walked the earth because he loved you and he loved me. He's totally 100% man, 100% God, yet sinless. And if we looked at this text, the, the setting, if you look in chapter 14, verses 6 and verse 9 and talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the setting. And, and even in verse 25 that we read. And in verse 30 is sort of a scary scripture. I no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. And if you're filling your notes in, I mean, basically, Satan is coming, is what Jesus says. Satan is coming. And he's seen as the God of this world. In the NIV, the God of this world, ruler of this world, another way to say it. Let me read a scripture to you. John chapter 12 and verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now on the prince of this world will be driven out. John 16, 11, And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned so the whole world is under this under his control or under his sway and he's the father of all those who don't believe in jesus and he's called the god small g of this of this world satan first john five nineteen, we know that we are children of god and the whole world is under the control or under the sway of the evil one understand this very plain very simple satan hates you he hates you, he hates God, he'll do whatever he can to basically get it back at God and undermine and destroy your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's what's interesting, behind all the plots that we see, the, the betrayal of Jesus and the, the judgment that comes by Pilate and all the, the laws and the rules that were broken and and the crucifixion, and the Pharisees. We see behind, you know what it's like? Anybody ever see the, uh, the Wizard of Oz? Okay, behind all of that, you pull the curtain back and there's Satan, basically sitting there, driving everybody to kill the son, the son of God. Little did he know, it would cause some significant problems for him. Had he known that, even the verse of Scripture, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, says had, the, had he known that, it would have killed him. Amen. And so you see Satan orchestrating, orchestrating like the Wizard of Oz, if you will, you pull the thing back, and instead of this big, old, mean, floating head, you see some little guy with a bunch of controllers. It, that's the picture of, of Satan kind of orchestrating things. And although Jesus would be killed by him, Satan had no right to do so. He had no right to do it. Satan had no right to do it. Satan is the most legalistic entity in the world. 
John 10, verse 18. Oh, I should read the, the, the rest of my note there and see. Although Jesus would be killed by him, Satan had no right to do so. Jesus voluntarily lays down his life. And John 10, verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, talking about his life, and authority to give it up, to take it up again. This command I've received from my Father. Listen to this scripture. John 8, verse 42. John 8 and verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I am here. I've not come of my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Boy, Jesus could preach. <laughs> Do you want to carry out your father's desire? He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources or his, his own native language. <laughs> his native language is lying. What's your native language? All right. Well, his native language is telling lies. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So beyond Judas, the religious leaders, the soldiers, Pilate, the crowd stood basically Satan, driving the whole thing, manipulating people. And Jesus gave himself out of obedience to his father as a ransom. Now you need to fill in the notes, fill it in, a ransom. He became a ransom for us. A ransom. When I was a kid, I, I remember it was widely publicized in media back then. And it was about this very wealthy uh, girl of uh, a family in, on the East Coast who was um, taken. And a ransom note was written. And it was given to her parents, and there was a whole police investigation, and they were going to kill her if they didn't get how much so-and-so much money, the ransom note. So the note said, you can have her back if you pay such and such amount. So the ransom for their daughter was, was millions of dollars. Watch this. Jesus was a ransom for us. Listen, this will fix your insecurity problem. You get this settled, it'll really help you. Jesus was a ransom for us. In other words, the only thing that could purchase you back from the captivity of Satan through sin. We've been brought captive. We've been made captive because of sin. The only thing that could bring you back out of that is Jesus' death, God's only son. And when you think about the inheritance Think about what God's gift is, his glorious inheritance, as it says in Ephesians, the glorious inheritance of, of the saints. You know who the saints are? It's you and me. God forbid you would die, if you, but if, you know, you're all going to die. Everybody here is going to die. But when you die, if you leave an inheritance to your children, you know, you're leaving them whatever, the house, the investments maybe, money perhaps, hopefully, and more importantly, an inheritance or a heritage of faith. What does God get in the end? 
His inheritance is you. He gets his bride. It's amazing. The value and the worth that we have. So Jesus gave himself out of obedience to his father as a ransom. And this verse of scripture here, it's, the, it's, it's verse 30, John 14, verse 30. If you'd put that up on the screen, please. It's this, this Hebrew expression in the NIV. It says he, the God of this age or the ruler of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. Would you go ahead and put that up? There it is. I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. NIV, I like the NIV. He has no hold on me for today and the title of my message, you can't touch this. In other words, Jesus is saying the ruler of this world's coming, but he can't touch me. But what's fascinating about that statement is it means that it could be, now not in relation to Jesus, but it could be that, the, that Satan could have a hold on him if he had sinned but of course Jesus didn't sin the point is look at your notes what does it mean the Hebrew expression is used in a legal sense of having no claim over a person so if Satan had hold over somebody it meant that he had a legal claim or a legal right to that person this ought to make some bells and whistles begin to go off because you've got to begin to ask yourself whether he has hold on you. Go ahead, smile at me. Does he have a claim? Does he have a legal right to you? Jesus is not of this world, not part of the human system, the evil and rebellion. And Jesus could say this because he had no sin. He had no sin. He overcame every temptation, therefore he didn't sin. Pride, self-pity, disagreement with the Father. I mean, he had no sin. He overcame by the Word and being full of the Spirit, and it's the same way you and I overcome, by the Word of God and by being full of the Spirit. And the good news tonight is that we have the same Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and I. So really, because Jesus being fully man, fully God, if he was able to resist sin, then guess what? So can we. Jesus' death could therefore destroy, because he was sinless, could therefore destroy the work of Satan. Listen to these scriptures, John 12. Come on, turn there, John 12, verse 31. Now, at this, now this is the time for judgment. It's right there on the screen. Judgment on this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. Well, how's that going to happen? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus. John 16, verse 11, and in regard to judgment because of the prince of the world now stands condemned. There's judgment, there's condemnation. 1 John 3, 8 reads, 1 John, you all there? 1 John 3, 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So why was Jesus manifested? Why did Jesus appear? Why did the Son of God appear? Very simply, to destroy the devil's work. Somebody ought to say amen up in here. 
Turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Are you able to get the amplified version on there, my dear media friends? All right, let me read this amplified version. Since therefore this, his children, share in flesh and blood and physical nature of human beings, he himself in a similar manner partook of the same nature that by going through death he might bring to naught or to nothing and to make no effect of him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Verse 15, and also that he might deliver and completely set free. Oh, I, I like that. <laughs> I'm just going to take a pause for a second and say hallelujah. Boy, I'm going to read that again, verse 15. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. Through Jesus' death, he destroyed <laughs> the work of the devil. So in view of that, understanding what we've taught you very simply tonight, Ask yourself this very crucial question. Does Satan have rights to you? Oh, don't answer so quickly. We'll go through it a little bit just to make sure. I, I shared this story uh, this morning in one of the services. They all kind of blend. We have three, eight, 10, 12. Thought we, th thought we should start two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. But we'll just go with eight, 10, 12 for now. I was fishing with a dip net down at the Copper River just a, you know, a day ago or so. I had the wrong net, I'm to understand. I had one of those big aluminum nets, big five foot diameter hoop with a gill net on it. And uh, mine is, it's got one of those extensions on it and I can reach out about 30 feet. And um, you know, you better have been doing something with your upper body before you're wielding that thing around because I'm just telling you, it's, it, it's got some torque when you put that thing in the river. Too much torque, in fact, for this small frame. I could not hold on to the net. It was the wrong net. So I shortened it up. I did all kinds of stuff. I'm, I'm out there. I basically fished for four plus hours in the Copper River and caught nada. Nothing, zilch, no fish. I'm not accustomed to catching no fish. I'm not into catching no fish. I like catching more than everybody else. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm accustomed to catching more than everybody else and faster. Amen. That's just like how I like to roll. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor Alex? Come on. Oh, I limited out. How'd you do? Praise the Lord. Uh, so anyway, I'm not limiting out. I'm not even catching any fish. And so I am talking to the Lord. I'm saying, God, <laughs> Lord, search me and know me. Is there any, do I have any sin? Where's the fish, God? I'm asking God, where's the fish? I'm thinking, you know, I was a jerk to my wife the other day. I'm a little short this morning. I was tired. Lord, forgive me. I didn't put my seatbelt on until I saw the cop. Lord, Lord. Lord, I didn't pray before that breakfast sandwich that I sucked down at the speed of light and swallowed half of my Starbucks before I thought about you. I'm repenting for some stuff. 
And so I'm like, hallelujah, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So literally, no, literally, this is how it works for me. And so I'm, I'm doing this. My net's not in the water. I'm repenting. I'm thinking, okay, hallelujah, I receive your forgiveness. And I'm, I got faith, and I feel it the Holy Ghost. I'm like, I'm going to catch fish now, baby. Hallelujah. Stick my net in nothing. whole another hour goes by. I'm still skunked. I'm figuring God's trying to talk to me about something, and I'm looking for the prophetic significance of the fact that I've got no fish on the bank, no blood on the bank. The guy next to me is killing it. The guy next to me has caught 27 fish in the time that I... <laughs> come on. So I started studying him. Actually, I've been studying him long before the end of my four hours, and I had been studying him. I'm watching him, and I'm looking at him. I'm looking at his technique. I watched him nearly get yanked completely into the Copper River by a giant king. That was exciting. I watched him catch two kings. I've never got one king in my net in the history of the, my dip net history, which is not that long, but it's not that short either. I've been dip netting for seven years. Yeah. He's laughing. You think it's funny, huh? <laughs> he catches two kings. And then, he, and then he catched a third one before it was all over. Couldn't keep them, released him. Anyway, I went to talk to him and started talking about the Lord, find out he was saved and his family was there, and they all loved Jesus. So I was telling him what I was doing. I told him I was examining my life. And, uh, and he's listening to me. I said, I was over there, and I was, you know, you know, repenting for things like, you know, just like I told you. He's like, I said, and I, you know, I don't, I don't have any sin in my life. And he, st he stops. He pulls his net out, shocked and amazed. And he looks back at me. He goes, yeah, you do. I go, I do? <laughs> you know, like, he was so convinced. <laughs> the good news is he let me use his net. I tried his little honey hole, and I caught a fish. Glory to God. <laughs> One. One fish. Does Satan have rights to you? Whenever we go through, whenever we go through difficulties, it's a great question to ask. It's a great it's a great thing to do to say, okay, hey, God, Lord, if there's anything, is there any sin on the inside of my life? Lord, am I doing anything that's displeasing you? God, is there something that you spoke to me for, for me to do that I haven't done? Did I disobey you? Did I, did I not heed your voice? Lord, and you examine your life. Because to not do that is to potentially leave yourself with Satan having rights to you. See, he's only in control when we come in agreement with him. He only has rights to you if you sin. If you could see the demonic realm, if the, if the curtain could be pulled back tonight on the demonic realm, many of you would live very differently. Push you. Push you. I mean, Satan is, he is the ugly one. Satan is one. I mean, he's... He's a defeated foe, but he still prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And what he does is, is he'll dangle the carrot before you. And he'll, he'll dangle the carrot. You don't understand what I'm saying. And you're tempted by the carrot. And he keeps dangling it and it draws you away. You're enticed and you're thinking, oh, that looks wonderful. Oh, I want the carrot. Oh, and you take it, and as soon as you take it, he backs off and goes, hey! 
You took the carrot. God, hey, hey, you're mine. That's it. You belong to me. I have a hold of you now. What a mean, what a mean bugger. Come on, he's a mean bugger. Does Satan have rights to you? Now, I've started on this already, but self-examination, or as the Old Testament says, coming under the rod, under the rod of God, is a very, very important thing to do. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about communion. And I've talked to you this over the years, but communion is not just a little cracker and a little cup of juice that you snack on and, and shoot the shot glass of, of, of juice and praise the Lord. It's a meal that heals and, and it's a meal that kills. You say, what are you talking about? Really, in the Old Testament, there was a cursed cup there that would be used and you can see how uh, it's followed through into the New Testament, the cursed cup. The cursed cup, if a man thought that his wife had committed adultery, would bring her to the priest, and the priest would ask certain questions, and she would answer them, and then he would, he would give her the cup. And if she drank it and died, that means she committed adultery. It was a supernatural cup that she would drink. You'll read this in the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you, that communion that you and I take is a supernatural communion. It's a supernatural cup. And it either can bring healing or it can cause you to be sick and go to sleep, meaning to die early. Now, many people don't really understand that, so they just go ahead and do whatever they want, and they slam the, the juice and the cracker, and I'm thankful for the grace of God. Is anybody else thankful for God's mercy? Come on, mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm thankful for his grace. I'm thankful for his mercy. Nevertheless, it's true that we ought to examine ourselves, as the apostle Paul said, and in the, and in the context of this message, you need to examine yourself. I need to examine myself. That's a, that is a wise thing to do. And so ask yourself this question as you fill the notes in. Have we yielded to temptation? Have you yielded to any temptations? You know, people who commit fraud, when interviewed, they say this. I didn't really want to steal the money. I just borrowed it with the intention of paying it back. But then I couldn't pay it back and I borrowed more. No, really, this is what this is. Em, em, embezzlers, many of them, they say this, they, or fraud rather. And em, embezzlement too. I just wanted to borrow the money and then I was going to pay it back. Got in a little bit of a pinch. I was going to borrow it and give it back. God knows I didn't want to steal it. But then it got to the point where then they could borrow some more and then borrow some more before you know it actually they, you know, for the very first moment they committed fraud. On the job, the, the pretty young secretary perhaps who tells you how handsome you are, what a nice shirt you're wearing, and builds you up and gives you respect that you wish your wife at home was giving you. You feel like maybe she treats you like an old shoe, but this young girl at the office maybe is building you up and telling you how wonderful you are. Yet yeah, you're being set up. You're being set up. And of course it can go the other way, ladies the man at the job or the next door neighbor that listens to you. <laughs> listen, being emphasis on listen, listening, it's listening to you. You don't feel like your husband maybe listens to you, but the next door neighbor is just all, oh yes, oh, oh, tell me more. 
dog. It's a setup. And then people end up in, in adultery and end up in these situations where they never, they never wanted to be there, but these temptations were laid before them. Have you yielded to any temptations? Ask yourself, have we given a place or a foothold to the devil? I was just at uh, Kennecott Mine. Anybody been out there? Wow, amazing. And, um, you know, the, the hospital at Kennecott had the very first x-ray machine in the whole state of Alaska. Did you all know that? That place was like cutting edge back in the day. Anyway, I, I stopped off at the, I don't know, it's not the ranger station or I don't know what it is, the Kennecott Mine Help You Shack whatever. And uh, outside, they have these, these uh, plastic handholds. There's a lot of climbers around there. And in fact, there's sort of this hippie sort of culture, hippie climbing, granola eating sort of culture at Kennecott. Very familiar. You see the same kind of thing uh, at, ski, at ski resorts, uh, in surfing communities, in climbing communities and hiking places. And it's really, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just like, wow. It's like I crossed over to another planet. Everybody's like, what's up? You know, it's, I'm sure they, many of them have a patch somewhere off behind their house or whatever. Or tent, I should say, behind their tent somewhere. In fact, my kids took note of it and they're like, the people here are a little different. I said, yeah. But you'll notice they're, they're very similar to Paia, right? And they go, oh, yeah. Paia is a place. It's, it's kind of a throwback sort of place in, in Maui. Very similar to other places. And I, I named all the different places. And has all, you're right. That's exactly it. It's like a spirit or something. I go, yeah, interesting. Anyway, outside the, the Kennecott Mine Help You Shack, there's these handhold things. And uh, there's a couple different, anybody know what I'm talking about? They're little hand-molded plastic pieces to help climbers increase their grip. And, and so you grab hold of these things and you strengthen your hand so that you have a very small crack that you can put your finger in and learn to strengthen your hands for climbing, to pull yourself up. And so I was checking those things out. It's a very picture of, of Satan. Does he have one of those things in your life? Does he have one of those places where he can just get his, he can get his hands just, just on the, have you given him a little crack to climb into? Have you given him a foothold? Have you given him, you know, climbers have these special shoes. Anybody ever seen them? Not, not for ice climbing, of course, that's a special shoe too, but these climbing shoes, they're very hard rubber soles and they grip on anything. And literally, I mean, you can, you can get the littlest edge of a piece of rock and almost stand on that all by itself. That, I think Satan has special shoes. Just to, just to try to, just to get in there and get a foothold or get a, get a place. Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4.25 and verse. Y'all still working scriptures for me? Y'all go to sleep back there. Okay, Ephesians 4.25. Praise God. Read, let me read this to you. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Go to verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Oh, shoots. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Verse 27. And do not give the devil 
a foothold. So if you look back, go ahead and look back if you will with me. Go to verse 25. Can you put the whole thing on, 25 to 27? All right, therefore, each of you put off falsehood. In other words, falsehood can actually give speaking falsely, lying. See, in the context of what, of what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, lying can give a handhold or a foothold or a place. All right? Speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. So how many of you know that if you're, if you're angry, ang being angry in itself is not sin. It's what you do with the anger that's sin. It's okay to get angry and put a limit on it. And the limit that he says here is to don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Obviously, they didn't live in Alaska when it was written. Amen. Because the sun never goes down. You'd be angry all day into the next day. And you'd just be irritated until winter came. Praise God. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about giving a time limit to your, to your anger. If you lived up in Barrow, you'd just be like, oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> So have you given, yourself, given the devil a foothold? Are we deceived? I've said this before. The problem with deception is we're deceived. And we don't know it. Are we deceived? Let me read this to you. James 1 and 22. James 1, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. i got to stop right there and say that if all you do is listen to the word and you actually don't do it, then you will end up in deception. And I can tell you story after story, testimony after testimony about people who would go to church and listen to the word. And I'm going to tell you, there's, there's perils of coming to a church like this. There's great danger to coming to a church like this. You say, what's the danger? You are, we have some tremendous guests. There is tremendous preaching and worship, that which comes forth from, the, from, from this place. It's, 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 there's life here. And if you, do, if you just listen and go out and continue to live a life that you know God's calling you out of, then you will set yourself up for deception and you will soon not be going to church here. You will cave in. You'll give. You'll just, you just won't be able to handle it anymore. Or you'll make some excuse, some mental offense about why it doesn't work for you because you've really not applied it to your life. All right, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be what? Blessed, blessed, empowered to prosper. They will have the favor of God. They'll have the provision of God. They'll have the blessing of God. So are you telling me, Pastor Daniel, that all I got to do is, 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 is study the word, learn the word, grow in the word, and go and do it, and I'll end up blessed? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I know it's so simple that you could miss it, but it really is true. 1 Corinthians 6 so you got to ask yourself, are you deceived? See, some people just want to rip pages out of the Bible. I like this, but I don't like this one. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 
Do you not know that wrongdoers, or in the New King James, evildoers, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have had sex with men. Go to the next verse. Okay, now you confuse me. I'm going to my notes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Where are we? Uh, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. There has been a sloppy grace that's preached across our country. I will not preach it. I don't really give a flip or a fig about who I offend. We're going to stand on the word of God. You cannot go and, and, and sleep with someone. And I have to say it that way. It used to be like a man or a woman, but now it's both. And, and expect to then go to heaven. If you're living a life, you're practicing that then you, you're, you have, I don't, I don't care if you say you know Jesus. You, you, you're not headed to heaven. Put the scripture back up. Don't get mad at me. Read it yourself. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, or women who have sex with women, if we could put that in, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the God. You say, Pastor, you just wiped out the whole church. Praise the Lord! <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't be deceived. Amen. Are you deceived? Ask yourself that question. Number three, has he attacked? Has Satan attacked us emotionally or physically? Now, I, I, I got in big trouble with the Lord and gave Satan rights to me while being in ministry. It wasn't adultery or could have been idolatry, I suppose. What well, I'll basically tell you what it was. It was violating the Sabbath. I was violating the rest. I was not taking rest. I would work seven days a week, and I would not rest. And I was constantly feeling run down. I would get discouraged. I was having attacks in my emotions and, and physically started getting weary. And, you know, because, because there's so much to do. There's so many people to reach. I mean, we've just, I mean, there's so many people that are lost and hurting and broken. We've just got to reach them. Well, just I'm going to tell you, you could drive yourself straight into an early grave by violating the Sabbath rest. Of course, every day we're supposed to rest in Jesus, but one in seven, you're supposed to take a break. And frankly, I don't think it has to be Sunday. Although there are some, there are some studies about how the body will slow down on Sunday. It's interesting. And it comes from the Lord made the heaven and the earth and all of creation, mankind, everything, six days on the seventh day he rested. And if you don't learn to rest, if you don't have to, a day of rest, and by the way, a day of rest is not going out dip netting. I don't think it's that. No, I, I, don't. I don't. I don't think it's going and catching your limit on, you know, on the Russian River, as fun as that might be. I think the Sabbath rest, as I've come to understand it now, is me actually spending time with the Lord and with my family, and getting refreshed in the Word, getting refreshed in the things of God, and, and you know, and napping. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. I had an angel come and club me just after church this morning. And any other nappers out there on Sunday morning? I just said, Lord. He said, yes. But if, if, you're, if you're finding yourself 
twisted in your emotions, if you're finding yourself having physical difficulties, you're finding yourself, not everything is due to us violating, you know, the, the Sabbath or uh, giving us, giving Satan rights. But you have to ask yourself, you have to ask yourself, mm, have I given him a foothold? And then if you find you have, then repent and, and change, correct your life. Are we under God's discipline? No, I know, that's a good one, isn't it? Those whom the Lord loves, he scourges. Listen, the Lord loves you. Some people just want to, they bind Satan left and right, but it's really God that's trying to train you. Amen. I can't believe Satan did it again. What are you talking about? You've, you, you've, you know, you violated. Come on, you, you got in the place. How many of you know the, the, the story of Jonah? Jonah was a prophet. Ooh-wee. And God tells him, hey, go to Nineveh. And he's like, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. So he runs away. Like you can run from the almighty, awesome God. And he ends up in a ship of some really nice pagans because they didn't want to throw him over right away. They were kind to him. That storm whooped up was not a storm created by Satan. It was a storm that God brought because of Jonah's disobedience. And so, and I've said it so many times before, some of you are going through a storm because you got Jonah on board. You have a Jonah underneath your boat, under the deck. I've seen this with parents that they, you know, they don't, they don't want to turn their, their 24-year-old kid out, even though he's doing drugs and he's living a life of debauchery and sin, and they're like, well, he's our boy. Kick him straight out of your house and watch your whole home enter into the blessing of God. Turn, oh, this is gonna hurt. Turn the boy over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. And I've known people who have prolonged their kids from serving God because they refuse to do the hard thing. My parents did it, but it took many, many, it took many years before I convinced them of it. But, you know, pain. Pain or information will bring change. Either you have enough information where you decide that you're going to change, or you have enough pain, you decide I don't want that anymore. That was good. And you can be under God's discipline. Turn to, turn to first... Oh, you don't need to turn there. But 1 Corinthians 5 talks about it. And for the sake of time, I'll just speak to that situation. 1 Corinthians 5, Paul writing and saying that there was a man who was sleeping with his father's wife, with his mother-in-law. He said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Do you not know that a little leaven um, leavens a whole lump? In other words, a little bit of yeast works through the whole dough. And the picture is that when you allow for for that kind of thing to be in your life, even by association. You know, the, 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 woman who's with, the woman who's with the man who is in adultery, but does not divorce him. I'm not talking about a slip-up. I'm talking about he continues, he's, he's a philanderer. You know what that is? Or she. So there, there is continual infidelity, and yet they remain married. 
and there's no repentance. Now, maybe you've been through that. I'm certainly not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you've been through that. Maybe that's happened to you as a wife or happened to you as a husband. Look, God can touch a person. They can repent, and God can heal your marriage. Absolutely. God hates divorce. There's no doubt about it. But in the case where somebody is, remains married to somebody who continues to abuse them, it could be physical abuse, it could be adultery, that kind of thing, and they don't do something about it, they're endorsing the evil. They become a party to the crime. Look, if, if you come to me for counseling, I'm, I'm going to help you. We're going to help you as best we can. We have a counseling department. Thankful for all the, those that are helping and serving in there. If you come and tell us that you robbed a bank, we have a responsibility to turn you over. You know why? Because otherwise, I'm guilty. And I will tell you right now, I'm not going to be guilty of any crime like that. Amen. So that's a law. That's the legal thing. The legal thing, you have a right, actually, as a citizen, if somebody tells you that they robbed a bank or did some heinous crime or a murder. Come on, you heard of them being an accomplice? Yeah, that's somebody that just didn't do something, maybe. It doesn't mean you handed them the knife or opened the door for them. It could mean that you just knew about it and didn't do something. Ecclesiastes says, evil prospers when good men do nothing. Isn't this an encouraging word? Can't touch this. Does he have a hold on you? Does Satan have a hold on you? That is the point. Jesus said, Satan has no hold on me. He has nothing in me. And so the question is, does Satan have a hold on you? Does he have something in you? Have you given him a crack by which to put his fingers in? Have you given him a foothold? Have you yielded to anger? Have you yielded to temptation? Are you yielding and walk crossing over into deception? Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. God wants you blessed. God wants you prospering. God wants you moving on into all that he has for you. But it's up to you to remove the footholds. It's up to you to keep yourself under the mighty hand, the mighty awesome hand of God's protection and provision. But when you disobey, when you sin, when you go out and do whatever you want to and you break God's word and you sin against him, he has, he, I mean, it's a legal thing. Come on, you get, in, you get in your car and speed up and down high rates of speed, you're going to get a ticket. If you live outside of, of the word of God and do whatever you want, yielding to temptation and expect that everything's going to be okay, no! Is Satan hindering the mission of the church? Now, I could spend more time on God's discipline because certainly <laughs> I've experienced a lot of it. And I'm thankful, although, you know, I don't like it. We should, we should read Hebrews. Come on, let's go there. We're just a moment longer. I'm going to preach to you. Hebrews 12. My son or my daughter, verse 5 and following, 5 through 11, if you could throw it on the screen. And have you not forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, my son or my daughter? Do not despise the chastening or the discipline or the training of the Lord, nor to be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. 
For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines or trains and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening or training, chastisement, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline or chasten? But if you are without disciplining or chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Let me stop for a second. Let me say this. If you're a father and you don't chasten your kid, then you're basically an illegitimate father. There really is no illegitimate sons as I see it. There's illegitimate fathers in, in the human sense. Of course, you can't say that about God. You have to train your kids. If you don't train your kids, then you can, you know, you, they'll get trained by the state pen, okay? So their training can come now or in the state penitentiary. So it's up to you. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, hopefully. And we paid them respect. Hopefully that's true also. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened and trained us as they seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Go ahead, go to the next verse because it's just too good. Therefore strengthen your hands which hang down and your feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. My, 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 my. God loves you and he'll discipline you. Number five, is Satan or is he hindering the mission of the church? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given to me under heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that, are command, that, I, that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have a mission and Satan wants to hinder us. Resisting the devil and advancing God's kingdom. That happens through, are you all with me on the notes there? It happens through good character. It happens by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It happens by, number two, standing. You'll see that in Ephesians. Proclaim the gospel and plunder Satan's house and through praying. God wants us to live in such a way where Satan has no, has no hold. 
And when you live like that, now listen, that's a, that's a day-by-day thing. That's, that's daily. When you'll have lots of opportunities to get all bent out of shape, you'll have lots of opportunities to yield to temptation. I mean, he'll dangle the carrot. He'll do all kinds of things. But when, I think the greatest way to stay in step with the Spirit is first thing in the morning when you get up, you just pursue him. You let his peace come on. You learn to pray. So I don't know how to do that. Well, get with people that do. Prayer is not something that's taught in a book necessarily. It's more caught than taught. Come to morning prayer. Come to these different times where you learn and grow. You have fellowship. And, and if he does have a hold on you, the good news is you can break his hold tonight. You can break his hold tonight by repenting and coming back under the hand of God or maybe under the hand of God for the first time can we switch, Pastor Alex, to give your voice a rest? Minister Michael, would you come, please? Thank you. You're here tonight, and you realize that maybe, would you stand with me? You're here tonight, and you realize maybe that maybe you've given the enemy a foothold. You're saying, well, I, I don't want that anymore. Come on, some of you have a base camp. You know what a base camp is? That's where they, they launch to climb Everest. You know, some of you have given him base camp in your life. You need to remove the stakes of his tent. Remove, he's a squatter. His power, his power is parasitical. He's parasitical by nature, meaning that he has to have a host. He has to have somebody that'll agree with him, somebody that'll yield to him, somebody that, that'll allow him to make a base camp or give a foothold. If you're here tonight, you realize, man, I've got a foothold or I just got some stuff I need to close. I need to repent tonight. I want you to come to the front. Just come. Come right now. Hallelujah. Hey, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God. Oh, your blood. Your blood. Your blood washes it all away. Seek the Lord tonight. Come on, just take a look in your heart. Come on, some of you yielded to pride. Maybe you've yielded to temptation. Come on, we're removing the hold. We're removing Satan's hold tonight. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just write out loud. Ask God to forgive you. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short, where we've grieved you. Lord, search us and know us tonight. If there be anything on the inside of us that's displeased you. Lord, if there's any sin, Lord, there that we might not be aware of, but make us aware of it right now. Spirit of truth, come right now. All right, now, if God showed you something, you just ask him to forgive you. Come on, and you're not forgiven just because you're asked you're asking you're forgiven because he shed his blood for you he died in your place he died for you and because of that we can receive forgiveness come on that's why he's called savior come on repent right out loud come on ask god right now just wash it lord wash it wash it all the way lord wash it all the way make us new today lord make us new today
for you. We commit, God, to live in such a way that we can say, can't touch this. To live in such a way that we can say that Satan has no hold on me. I can say that tonight. Satan has no hold on me. Come on. Now, if you can't say it, don't lie, right? Liars also don't inherit the kingdom. Don't lie. But if you know that you're underneath the hand of God, then you can say that. You can say, Satan has no hold on me. So if that's you, it's a good thing to say. Come on, declare it. Ready? One, two, three. Satan has no hold on me. Hallelujah. Did you get them something from God tonight? Did you? Come on, just worship God for a moment. Come on, let's worship Him for a moment. The service will be over. need acceptance all of us need significance and all of us need security the very things lost in the garden of eden through our relative adam and eve are the very things that the final adam the last adam or the second adam although there's not going to be a third the very things that jesus purchased back for us he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you you're the righteousness of god in christ jesus He's the vine, we the branches. If we remain in Him, we'll bear much fruit, and fruit that remains even unto eternity. That's why when you're leading somebody to Jesus and when you're serving God, it brings this satisfaction and fulfillment in you that nothing else can. 
Nothing else can bring that. Nothing. No money, no job, no fame, no fortune. All the accolades of man, the robe or the ring, none of that can bring the acceptance, security, and significance that only Jesus brings. And that's why we say he alone satisfies. He alone satisfies. So set, set your mind, fix your, get your mind right. <laughs> Renew your mind to understand that that's the truth. So outside of that, there's not going to be any satisfaction or fulfillment, really. Oh, but in Christ, what a joy, what a joy, what a joy, what a joy to lie in your bed at night and know that it's okay. What a joy, what a joy to serve Him, to live for Him, to walk with Him, to talk with Him. What a joy, what a joy, what a joy to know that you're in the perfect will of God. What a joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, even going from glory to glory. Amen. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor tonight. Touch each and every one of us, Lord, and bless our families and bless our homes. Touch these precious ones here, God. Touch these, I pray. Lord, bless them, God. Bless them. God's going to touch you. If you want to touch from, they said, she said, they, they want you to do what you did to me earlier service. And I, I know what happened. It's, it's not me really. I'm a mailman. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to touch them. Anybody else need a touch from the Holy Spirit? Just come. We'll pray for you. God's going to, yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, there's no toxic levels in the Holy Spirit, so you can get as much as you want. Amen. Is it, is it okay to double dip? Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Come on, God wants to touch you. Come on, would you just lead us in some, some worship? And uh, let, me, let me just close in prayer. If you need to slip out, great. I'll pray for anybody who wants to come and pray. I'm going to linger and hang out and just pray and have a good time. You need prayer. You need healing. You need a miracle. You come. We'll pray for you. Minister, Minister Micah, you lead us, lead us in some fun worship. And let me just close. So if you need to slip out, you can go. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance, swords, and be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You want prayer? You want to stick around? You want to worship? Feel free to do that. Be blessed as you go, as you stay. We're going to be praying for people up front. Amen. Come on, Minister Michael. Lead us in.
Don't miss Wednesday night, Holy Ghost night. We're gonna put some worship on tonight. Just, you can hang out. Come on, it's early. It's still light out, hallelujah. Feel free to just enjoy the presence of the Lord. Let Him touch you. Don't be in a rush. It's all right. Don't be in a rush. Just let Him bless you. Let Him speak to you. Talk to God. Talk to God tonight. Come on, those of you online. You have nowhere to rush off to. Come on, you can go get your cookies and milk later. Amen. Just press in. Press in for a moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Ministry to the whole family. Amen. A little bit different uh, with the youth program. I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Alex, but we've got camp, starts tomorrow. And uh, if they're not signed up, they can sign up, right? You can sign up for camp and uh, be a part of that. You can get information at the iDesk. And then Wednesday night, they'll be having camp upstairs so there's no children's ministry. Everybody will be down here as I understand it, all right? Uh, and uh, the youth, if they're not a part of the camp, they'll go upstairs, okay, good. So you just got that straight. Lots of great things happening around here. God bless you. Be a part of the, uh, the project there, our building Saturday, prayer seven to eight, and then eight o'clock we'll have a work day, pound out all those weeds and make that place look beautiful. Amen. God is on the throne. Devil's been defeated. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you tonight. We'll see you Wednesday. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.